This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. All right, let's recognize our superlatives, Sean. We got a bunch of categories here. We need a name for these. Um, how about the either like something with Utopia, like the Topies or something like that. Like these are our trophies that we hand out, the Topies. Uh, I need to workshop something, John, but we're going to do this again at the end of the year. We need small miniature trophies with your head and my head on it to hand out to each of these uh, to each of these players and coaches we're about to name here. All right, let's start with um, best for the Texans, John. Best position group. Who do you have as best position group? so far for the Houston Texans? Well, I'm going to pass on a position group of quarterbacks because it's one quarterback, and I'm going with wide receivers. We all thought before the season started they definitely needed a wide receiver. They didn't have a big play receiver. Well, they got a big play guy in Tank Dale. They got a big play guy in Nico Collins, who has been tremendous. Nico has, I think, uh, let's see, 29 catches, 547 yards, 18.9 a catch, and three touchdowns. He has become a big-time receiver, and John Mechie is able to play. Robert Woods has been dependable, and so I think the wide receivers. I'm wide receiver too, John. I'm, I'm with you on wide receiver. I wanted to come up with something different. I thought about the defensive backs, I think, especially considering some of the injuries. Um, I think the defensive backfield's done a pretty decent job this year. The performance by Desmond Ritter, notwithstanding, against uh, Atlanta, um, I think they've been the best group on the defensive side of the ball. And the defensive line's improved through the year um, against the run. I think that would have been a good one, too. But it, it's I, I can't shoehorn it in. The wide receiver position has exceeded expectations. And my expectations weren't as low as the, the national expectations were for this group. 
Um, but Robert Woods and Nico Collins and Tank Dell, when he's been in there, have been outstanding. I'm with you. I'm with you. We the the, the wide receivers sweep the best position group, Topi. All right, John. So uh, that's best position group. Let's next one. Let's do best assistant coach, which I don't know if this winds up being the same thing, but let's see. Best assistant coach performance so far this year. Okay, you go first on this one. I will. I'll go first on this one, and I'm going to give Chris Strausser his flowers here. Because, yeah, that was mine. Okay. Well, they, John, great minds think alike. This is what you, this is what you get for letting me go first. Um, I, but I think that accentuates how good a job he's done, John. And it's probably like you and I, if you're picking him too, then just fill in the gaps on what I'm about to say here. But the hand that he's been dealt injury-wise and the fact that he's been able to not only get backups, backups coached up, but guys that were coming into the building, some of them within a week of the season starting, and they're starting important games protecting a rookie quarterback. And even a guy like Austin Deculus, who you and I joked about throughout the preseason after he just got whooped again in that New England game, when he's had to play this year during the regular season, he's not been awful. He, 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 he's looked better. So I think not just the hand he's been dealt, but the clear development that might be going on with some of these guys who have just showed up in the building in the last few weeks. Chris Strasser done a great job. His assistant, Cole Popovich, has as well. There's two others that I could go with. Obviously, one would be Bobby Slowick. They're already talking about him being a head coach. The other one would be Gerard Johnson, who's coached C.J. Stroud more than anybody. But Slowick is the – got to go with Slowick. First-time play caller. He's done a tremendous job with C.J. Stroud. And both of those guys have. And – Slowick's getting a lot of well-deserved recognition around the NFL. And when he makes a mistake or doesn't do stuff well, he he owns it and says he'll do better, and they do. Like Devin Singletary not getting the ball against Atlanta and then being their leading rusher in the next game. Just can't say enough good things about Slowick who got off to a rough start. Somebody on this podcast was blasting him. And uh, I can't remember who that was. And he's he has done a terrific job. That guy back there. (laughs) (laughs) In the transformation of this team over the last four weeks. All right. That's a good one, too. Slowick's been great. And, uh, yeah, like Slowick's been so good. That's – it's John, it's weird having a coordinator that I – that for the Texans – that we know is going to be a sought-after head coach at some point in the next couple years. This is foreign territory. I'm just glad Rex – bleeping Burkhead in on the team and Slowick would be so tempted to use him uh, like uh, Pep Hamilton did last year. I think Slowick would laugh in Rex Burkhead's face when he came <laughs> jogging over to him with his helmet. You want me to go in, coach? No, who are you? Um, all right, next one, John. Most improved player. You go first on this one. There's one on each side of the ball, one that we've already mentioned, um, but I got to say Blake Cashman. Mm-hmm. Blake Cashman, based on pro football focus, is the highest-rated linebacker in the NFL. He's coming off a game with 15 tackles. He makes plays behind the line of scrimmage, on the sideline. He's intercepted a pass. He's a sure tackler. He's just got a knack for the football. Great, great move by Nick Casario to bring him in after he spent his whole career with the Jets on injured reserve. Yeah, well, and bring him in and then extend him for a year. You know, they, they brought him in in 2022, and then it was the decision of the Texans to add another year to his deal. So they are getting great bang for their buck on the Blake Cashman deal. I'm with you on that on the defensive side. I'll take the offensive one, and that's an easy one. It's Nico Collins. Nico Collins has become one of the top 10 receivers in the league, at least this body of work. This is the top 10 body of work in these six games. Now, the key for Nico, John, as we know, is 
Is he going to be around in weeks 11, 12, and 13? Health has always been the big issue for Nico Collins, but it is really cool to see a guy who they moved up. They gave up Nick Casario, gave up some decent draft capital to move up, I think, 20 spots to get Nico Collins in the building back in 2021. So it's cool to see the plan pay off, and I think it's really cool to see the chemistry that he's built so quickly with C.J. Stroud. He's got one year left on his contract. He's playing for an extension. Nick's going to have money to extend players who deserve it, and I think Nico is in line for a big race. Yeah, they won't be able to do him in season like some of the ones we've talked about on this podcast and on Payne and Pendergast. They'll have to wait till after the season by rule to do Nico Collins, but I'm with you. He's... I could when when you and I are headed to training camp in July and we're talking about all the guys that are newly monetized here. He, he, I think there's a good chance he's one of them if he stays healthy this year. All right, John, best play of the season so far. You want me to go first on this one? Uh, on best, yeah. Play? Let me. Remember how Johnny Carson and McMahon used to do it when yeah. when uh, he would call out the answer before the question. Okay. Can I call out the what was it they used to call themselves when he did it? Carnats. Karnak, okay, if I am a great Karnak and I'm doing this, I would say Andrew Beck. Okay, it actually wasn't Andrew Beck, John. The okay, Tank Dale. No, that's a good one, too. You know what, John, those are great plays. Those are great <laughs> thoughts. And I think here's what's happening. You can have Andrew Beck because that, that should be the answer. John, that's the correct answer is Andrew Beck. <laughs> That should, and they should name this superlative they. We. It's our superlative. We should name this after uh after and, Andrew Beck. Yeah, call it the yeah, call it, this is the Becky, uh, the Becky for best play. Um it's because it got constantly broken down over and over again on every show and YouTube and podcast that I saw after the Steelers game. But that pass that CJ Stroud threw to Nico Collins in stride, a covered Nico Collins in stride just uh, to to put the dagger in the Steelers, that 52-yard touchdown pass. I mean, that's one of the prettiest balls I've ever seen thrown in a football game, John. Like it, it was, and that's why that, that maybe that's why I'm feeling the significance of that one. The Beck one is just some, it's like that's something out of like, that, that's a, a viral video that's going to show up forever and ever. That play, to me, why that's the best play is it's it just perfect indication for why you drafted CJ Stroud. Perfect ball placement, perfect read of what, uh, of what the safeties were going to do on that play. So we had Nico Collins single covered up high. And and the fact that the, I'll mix Bobby Sloak in here, that they were being aggressive in a game that they were up by 18 points already, throwing dagger shots in that game was outstanding. So um, that's my best play. It sounds like you're the you're 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 up for the Beck man here though. Yeah, that's called keeping your foot on the throat, not getting conservative. And, uh, well, I had two. I thought you were going to say back, and I would have gone with Tank Dell's 46-yard catch and triple coverage to set mm. up the first touchdown at Jacksonville. But to me, back, back ought to get an SB. 85-yard return, dropped, shouldn't have been catching a ball, uh, dropped it, picked it up, went down the sideline, broke like five tackles, and, uh, boy, that was the one that helped them beat Jacksonville, yeah. bounce back from their 0-2 start. And uh, I think uh, I'd like to see him get the ball to Beck a couple more times, see if he can run like that if he gets some space. <laughs> it's funny, John, the dichotomy of how players felt about that play and how coaches felt about that play with Beck. Because uh, the sense I get is the players were all like, oh, this is incredible. Look at him breaking tackles. Ha, ha, ha. This is hysterical. <laughs> Meanwhile, the coaches, probably first and foremost, Frank Ross, were probably like, bro, 
don't you ever do that ever again. Like you're getting in Mike Boone's way or whoever it was he bumped into. You're scooping the ball up. You're running laterally. You like you, you admit it. You didn't know you were going to turn the corner there, Beck. You didn't know you could be able to get to the corner and beat somebody there. I was screaming, no, don't, don't catch yeah. it. No, don't pick it up. Fall on it. Crazy, crazy, crazy. All right. Um, I love that our producer James named it the Becky. <laughs> for the Be- we should name all these awards the Beckys after Andrew Beck for that play. Hey, John, that was a big play too because it was 17-10 at the time. You know, the uh, Jacksonville had come out and scored the first 10 points of the second half, and you could feel the momentum gathering. And that that was – like we may look back at the season and go, that might be the biggest play of the season because it, you really did get the feeling like, okay, same old Texans are about to cough up this lead or whatever. And that kind of – it kept – Jacksonville at bay like CJ Stroud in his third game on in his third third game second game on the road never had to take the field really after the first quarter with anything less than a two score lead like he didn't you know 17-10 Beck gets that return it's 24-10 all of a sudden and then they get the turnover I think that was when Cashman they've gotten the interception right after that so that was uh, that was a big play by Beck all right John let's do our players of the year in the three phases and let's start with the special teams player of the year who's your special teams player of the year Kaimi Fairbairn, 17 of 18 field goals, 12 of 12 on extra points, 63 points, and his kickoffs have been terrific. Hands down, Kaimi Fairbairn. Yeah, I can't go any other direction. If Cam Johnson had played more than a couple games, then I would make an argument for him. He's been great since he got back. He had a huge punt in that win over New Orleans to swing field position in the second half, which ultimately set up the Texans' only points of the second half. Uh, with that big 63-yard punt. I don't know what Shahid was doing standing where he was for Cam Johnson. It's like they thought that Zentner was still punting. I looked at Seth Payne. I said, he's going to blast it over this poor guy's head. Why is this guy standing 40 yards from the line of scrimmage? And sure enough, he punted it down to the six-yard line. And that kind of swung field position in what was a very you know low-scoring second half. I can't argue for anybody else other than Kaimi Fairbairn, though. He's been outstanding this year. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I hope Nick Casario, because he'll have more money in free agency, will sign Cam Johnston to a new deal. Remember, Johnston's only free agent. Casario gave a contract more than two years. It was three. It's up. And I hope they may have to overpay for a punter, but, man, you see all these other teams who have problems like the Texans had with Ty Zedner, re-sign Cam Johnston. Yeah, he's so valuable. I'd imagine there's value into, you know, one, being on a good team. Two, he's playing for a special teams coach that he knows he's always going to have probably pretty good net punting average because they got good gunners out there. They got good good coverage teams. And you're playing indoors, too. I think that matters to kickers and punters that you're playing in a you know 72-degree air-conditioned climate as well. So I'm with you. I, I hope they bring both of those guys back. Um, all right, John. Defensive player of the year for the Texans so far. It's your turn. Oh, okay. My my defensive player of the year for the Texans. I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go with Will Anderson. And I know he's only got one sack on the year, but he's he he is active on game days. You know, he is I don't mean active like suited up. I mean like he's he shows up a lot. Like you see 51 out there. 
quite a bit. Like he's in the pocket causing havoc. I think it's just a matter of time before he's going to start getting guys on the ground like he did Lamar Jackson earlier in the year. Um, he's like, to me, Grenard's had a good year. Jerry Hughes is a steady vet. I, I just think Will Anderson, um, the impact that he has just being out there and the things that he does, and he's been real solid in the run game too. Um, I'm going to go with Will Anderson as my defensive player of the year so far. Sean, the only other candidate would be Blake Cashman, but I'm going with Anderson too. He's great against the run. He is third in the league in pressure. So, no, he's not getting sacks. And before he had all the analytical sites like Next Generation Stats and Pro Football Focus, people would just look at the sacks and the coaches would say, well, uh, he's disruptive. He's playing the run well. Now you can see just how disruptive he is. Yeah, it's awesome. But, man, John, those. And we're going to talk about, I'm sure CJ's name is going to come up here in these next two. Um, but just that those top two picks are paying off like the, the celebration on draft night for those two picks that it's that it that as celebrated as that was, as great as it made people feel back in late April, that it's playing out this way on the field, too. I think it's just it's so cool, man. It's so cool for the fans of this football team. I think it's great. All right, John, offensive. We're going to do offensive player of the year and MVP separate categories. Who is your offensive player of the year for the Texans? Well, I don't want it to be C.J. Stroud, so it's Nico Collins. Mm -hmm. Nico, as we said, was the most improved on offense. He's been tremendous. He's become a big play receiver. He gets more yards after the catch because he's big. He told me he's up to 220. Of course, they list him at his college rate weight. So he's 6'4", 220, breaks a lot of tackles. Every time he gets the ball, he's thinking end zone. I think he's been tremendous. He's been tremendous. There's no other choice for him for non-quarterback offensive player of the year. The one guy I would mention that has been really – I'd love to mention somebody on the offensive line, but it's been such a shuffle the whole time. I think like Shaq Mason's been solid. He's been what you signed up for on the offensive line. Um, you know, He's the only guy who you planned on starting at the beginning of the year who's been starting all year for them. So merely from availability, he deserves to get mentioned in this compared to the other yes. offensive linemen. Shaq Mason does the right guard, but I think Robert Woods has been really good for CJ Stroud. Like CJ Stroud's got a real rapport with Robert Woods and he's, while his stats don't jump off the page like Nico's stats do, cause Nico is just an explosive play machine. Um, Robert Woods is a chain mover for this team, man. And he's a leader in that wide receiver room. He's a leader in that building. He likes to block, which is key in this offense as well. So I think I'm I'm with you on Nico, but I think Robert Woods deserves maybe to some people a surprising mention in this category. I'll tell you, you mentioned Shaq Mason. If we were doing an underrated, Jared Patterson has started every game at center. They've not had one bad snap, but a knock on wood, mm -hmm. between a rookie center and a rookie quarterback, and everybody's really eager to see what's going to happen when Juice Scrub comes back. I'm assuming it's going to be – for Carolina, but Patterson has gone above and beyond for a six-round pick who was playing guard till he moved. I think the biggest thing about Scruggs coming back, John, is that should free you up to move Titus Howard back to right tackle. Yes. You know, yes. Jared, Jared Patterson's gonna should be on the field in some shape, form, or fashion, whether it's moving back to guard, which he played at Notre Dame last year, and Scruggs plays his natural position of center, or maybe you keep Patterson at center because he's got a rapport with C.J. Stroud. I'm sure they'll consult with C.J. before they do anything on this stuff. Not that C.J. makes the decision, but they'll want his input on it, I'm sure. And then Scruggs can play left guard. But I think that's the biggest ripple effect you get from Scruggs getting back is it's almost like you're getting full-on Titus Howard back at the same time. So it's two moves that you'll make will improve two positions. 
Yep, exactly, exactly. That's called bang for your buck, John McClain, what we call that. All right, um, so we're in agreement on offensive player of the year. I think this is an easy one, too. MVP, C.J. Stroud. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Enough said. Yeah, Nine touchdowns, yeah. one interception. The only thing he hasn't done well is his completion percentage, which is holding his rating down to 96.4. But he's 59.6. But one of the things I like about him the most, and I know you do too, he doesn't force balls. He just throws it away. Yep. And sometimes he throws things into the ground and people are like, oh, my goodness, he was off target. And I'm thinking, no, he's not off target. He's throwing it away because that's the way he's being coached by Bobby Sloick and Dry Johnson. So there can't be anybody else. CJ would happily take a 59% completion percentage if it means only getting sacked twice in the last four games. That, that's that's what that is, John. I mean, that's if you watch CJ Stroud, if you're looking at CJ Stroud, and you look at that 59.6% and you're like, well, he's just not accurate. Then you're not watching the games. You're not watching the games. That's that. I mean, that's as simple as I can put it. His completion percentage is not reflective of his true accuracy and his ball placement at all. It's reflective of an intelligence to not take 12 yard sacks like he was doing chronically the first two weeks of the season. To me, the decrease in his completion percentage is an indication of a patchwork offensive line and a smart rookie quarterback getting rid of the football. That's Absolutely. That and that offensive line has only given up one sack in four games. One was his fault when they gave up two in the last one. One sack in four games, despite all the injuries up, injuries up front, which is another reason your choice of coach of the year for Strauss. Strauss looks even better. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, John, you want to do some... That was fun. I enjoyed doing that. I can't wait to do it at the end of the year. Hopefully, it, hopefully sometime in February. That would be great. 